Welcome back to the Awaken the Soul podcast with Shandell Short. And today with me, I have a co-host, Chloe Smith. Hi, Chloe. Hello. Thanks for joining me today. Hey, happy to do this. Super excited for a chat. Exactly. I feel like this conversation can go many different ways. <laughs> um, Chloe, Chloe is Chloe. Chloe is a coach. You uh, have a Coach by Chloe program. I do. Uh, which I recently just joined and love. Mm-hmm. So can't wait to share that later. Mm-hmm. And um, you are a fantastic individual all around. I've known you Thank for you. many years. <laughs> We've worked together. Our paths have crossed multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and you recently just started talking about some really interesting things um, that I just wanted to have you on to talk about because I think that you have such a great story. And uh, yeah, let's get started let's today. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Good. Let's dig in. So I noticed that you were talking about some topics lately and mm-hmm. starting a little mini series. Do you want to tell me what it's going to be about? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so yeah, so it's, it's all about ADHD, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that I was only diagnosed with about 10 years ago, but is definitely something that has largely impacted most of my life. Um, actually all of my life, I think. (laughs) And yeah, I just, I feel like there is a big gap, at least in my network on social media of the content that I see. I don't feel I've seen any really solid content where I've seen a woman, um, that I can really relate to kind of go deep into ADHD and the impacts that it's had on their life all through childhood into adolescence. And then of course, how that impacts your life as an adult, be it as a working woman, as a stay at home mom, as yeah, any, any woman really, I guess, just how that impacts um, them and the way that they show up in the world and what is expected of them and how it has impacted their self-esteem and their whole world basically. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I just wanted to do a series that would really highlight, I guess, just some of my own stories and my own experiences. And I'm definitely like a little bit afraid of doing it and kind of cracking myself open on the internet, but I feel like it will hopefully shine a light on some of the things that young people experience if they do struggle with ADHD. And yeah, I guess my hope is that it will land in the hands of either parents or grown women, young women, men, whoever that might either currently struggle with it themselves or know someone that is affected by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're so right. I, I was also diagnosed with ADHD uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a long time to see that, but I, I, as science is showing that a lot of women in general mm-hmm. uh, were missed in that diagnosis. And they if they didn't have like, you know, they were very conditioned because it was like, you know, little girls had to be a certain way and whatever, but Absolutely. like, you know, not to like discriminate male against female, but it was, it was yes. easier to pass off or not to notice it in women than it was in men. That was like boys were getting more diagnosed with it. So, yep. and I recently saw a video that I thought was really interesting because it said, um, oh, it's just a fad. And someone said, how about instead of calling it a fad, we call it, I'm so sorry women that we missed you in this diagnosis. Yeah, I love that. Right? That's because so true. it's like, what happens is we end up conditioning ourselves, right? So like growing up, not knowing I had it and, you know, feeling struggle, I really worked on conditioning myself certain ways. So like had to learn to like, 
you know, be super organized and like function a certain way. Cause I was in business and I was in corporate environment and had to keep up, you know? Totally. So it was like, I think that you learn to condition yourself and have those things. But so I, in my own journey have like, you know, trying to dig deep and understand and learn and, and, you know, get as much information as I can Yeah. because I have tried the medication route. It didn't always go great for me. So I'm yeah. going to get you to share about that. <laughs> yeah. But I um, am trying to do it on a more, um, I guess, holistic approach. And yeah. I know that you also do that. So totally. I really want you to share like kind of your, your thoughts and opinions on like the medication or your experience with it and mm-hmm. some of the things that you do to help with yours. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Okay. How much time do we got? <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been on, you know, I, I, the entire reason why I ended up with a diagnosis is honestly because like, I think a lot of people experience this. It's no secret that ADHD medications are controlled substances and they are rampantly, um, distributed amongst like university campuses and stuff like that because Mm -hmm. it's definitely abused recreationally by a lot of people who do or don't have a diagnosis. Um, So the way that I tried Ritalin for the first time was actually like my boyfriend that I was living with at the time. We had a roommate. It was his friend and his friend had Ritalin and he was like, hey, try one of these and like see, see how much you get done. And anyway, I tried it and needless to say, I was like, holy shit. Like, whoa, I... I like, I cleaned the entire place top to bottom. I reorganized the room. Like I got all kinds of stuff done. And I was like, oh my gosh, is this what it's like to be able to focus? Like this is magic. I I must really need this. So anyways, I, and, and now of course, this is a backstory. I knew that I had been, I had teachers and every adult that I interacted with as a child, my entire life was like, will you medicate this child? Like, oh my God, she needs something like this. She has ADD. She's got ADHD, whatever. Like she can't sit still. She can't sit down. She's a disruption. And God love, like I know my dad basically was like, shove it. There's nothing wrong with Chloe. She has energy. That's not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with her, which on one hand, I'm really glad that he advocated for me and stuck up for me so that, you know, I've got all kinds of opinions about whether or not children should be taking medications. But on the other hand, I feel like, God, I wonder if my life might have been a little bit easier. Like, had I actually been thoroughly tested and diagnosed at a younger age and had the choice whether or not I wanted to try something to maybe make my life feel a little bit more manageable and easier. Because it was, I struggled tremendously when I was younger. Um, so, with that in mind, then I tried this. I already had an inkling like maybe I'm dealing with this ADHD thing. It's clearly impacted my life. I've never been able to like stay focused on one thing for too long or stick to things. And I've been fired from every job I've ever had. And I feel, yeah, I just, it was kind of like all signs are pointing to, hey, maybe there is something going on here deeper. So when I tried the medication and I felt like the lights turned on for the first time, mm-hmm. um, I was like, I've got to go and like see my doctor and talk about this. And so I was transparent. I told him like, look, I, this wasn't my prescription. I did try it, but like, whoa, this feels like it could be a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay, well, we're going to send you to a psychiatrist. I went, I had like a full assessment. Um, and after sitting down with him for probably like 45 minutes, he gave me a diagnosis of, severe ADHD and borderline personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Now that one I wasn't expecting. Um, but I also kind of like took what he said with a grain of salt and you know, I have an understanding of how 
all mental illnesses are basically like, you know, categorized lists of, um, you know, signs. So like Mm -hmm. signs that people exhibit versus like a lot of other, you know, most other conditions in the medical industry are based on symptoms and signs. So like what the patient experiences and what like the impacts that it's having on their life. Right. Mm -hmm. But with mental health, it's interesting because we're diagnosed based on all of these signs over symptoms. So it's more about how does the way that you are impact the world in a negative way? And like, we need to deal with this because there's something wrong with you versus like, what is your experience and what are your symptoms? Yes. Right. So I was woke to this. Thankfully, when I received the diagnosis, like borderline personality disorder is a pretty serious thing to diagnose someone with after having chatted with them for 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, knowing not a whole lot about me. Um, come to find out the psychiatrist that I saw particularly in Halifax is known amongst the community of mental health professionals and services and stuff as somebody who overdiagnoses both ADHD and borderline personality disorder. And anyone that is diagnosed with ADHD is almost automatically diagnosed with that as well mm-hmm. by this particular doctor. So wow. interesting. Um, went down the rabbit hole of um, really learning anything and everything that I could about both ADHD and borderline personality disorder. And it's interesting how I very readily accepted the ADHD diagnosis because I felt there wasn't as much stigma around it for me anyway. And Mm -hmm. my experience versus borderline personality disorder felt like something that I was like, that's not me. No, I don't want to like, no, but I think it's good that I, whatever, I guess remained open-minded and didn't, I think that when people, receive a diagnosis of any kind there is relief on one side Mm -hmm. um and then on the other side it's kind of like people will cling to that and be like well here's my out kind of like here's my excuse to just be the way that i am and now and understood finally like i have an answer Mm -hmm. um but then on the flip side of that it's like okay well now i have two options to either sort of like accept this diagnosis as like this is just who you are Mm-hmm. When really it's like, no, no, this is a list of signs that you have exhibited based on all of your past experiences mm-hmm. and your upbringing. And maybe there is like, a, obviously, yes, there is like a nature, like a hereditary genetic component to a lot of mental mm-hmm. illness. Um, so be it what it may, nature or nurture or the combination of the both, um, you are who you are up to this point. But I, I think like people fully can change. Like fully can Mm -hmm. change and it's just a matter of like am I going to sort of take this diagnosis as like a you know whatever stamp of approval from some person that you obviously respect as like a doctor and a higher up and they must know better than you so this is just who you are and that's kind of you just take your medicine and you just you just bop around life and you're just going to remain the way that you are and you are who you are and you'll be that way until you die or you can do what I did and what I love to see so many other people doing, which is like challenge it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, all right, try me. Sure. I got this diagnosis. I am a product of my environment. I am, you know, uh, an expression of all of my past experiences. And I think that that is in whatever you want to call it. Like, I don't know, in flux at all times. Mm-hmm. So I decided to learn. I never really fully accepted that diagnosis. I was just like, that seems like an extreme diagnosis for like something that I really would not label myself as personally, given my own experiences. 
Um, the ADHD thing I felt really resonated with me immediately. Like I'm like, yes, this makes all the sense. This on the other hand feels really intense and I'm going to just like take that with a grain of salt, not ignore it, mm-hmm. but like do some research. So I did. Um, and I was never really like treated for it. I just went down this rabbit hole of like being completely obsessed with personal development and learning everything that I could about the brain and how brains like mine work and trauma and healing and yeah, just, yeah, I, I definitely, although I've tried medications on and off, I have really devoted a ton of time and energy and attention to trying to learn other ways to approach it. So I've gone through seasons and it's usually about six months, six months on meds, six months off meds. And the experience has typically been that when I get on meds, I feel this immediate like, woo, okay, awesome. I can, I'm rocking and rolling. I called it my Adderall. Like I've tried everything, but I've tried like Ritalin, Concerta, Dexedrine, Adderall, Vyvanse. Um, and then recently I tried, it's technically an antidepressant, but it treats dopamine, not serotonin. Most uh, antidepressants are uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs. Um, this one is an NDRI. So it's a norepinephrine and dopamine reuptake inhibitor. So it acts specifically on dopamine, which if you struggle with ADHD is yes. the chemical that you struggle with. So I thought, okay, I've tried everything else. Why not give this a shot? Um, that one worked for me very temporarily and was probably the best relief that I've had because it wasn't a stimulant, mm-hmm. um, which to know me is to know that I probably don't need any stimulants. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, so that was short-lived. And since coming off of that one, um, which has been this most recent season of my life, I just feel, I don't know, like I feel really good. But where I'm, where I'm at is like when people ask meds or no meds, like I do not draw any line in the sand. Never say never. I could be talking to you six months from now and be like, I feel like my life is in shambles and I'm back on the medication again. Right. Cause I feel like it's helping, but I think that it is a definitely a bandaid for your symptoms. Um, it's not a solution, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the solution, if you were to ask me this a few months ago, I would have said, I don't fucking know. But now I feel the solution is to dig deeper into understanding the actual origins of ADHD. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like I recently read, uh, Gabor Mate's book, uh, scattered minds. And that is all about the origins and healing of attention deficit disorder. And, um, yeah, that book rocked my world, which like I could go down a whole, mm-hmm. a whole rabbit hole of that. But basically like he just gets into, he suggests that the theory that's commonly accepted around ADHD is that it's hereditary and that, People don't like to think or accept that, you know, nurture, the nurture element of it and the upbringing and your experience as an infant and a small child and your interactions with your parents and your, or your primary caregiver or whoever raised you, um, very, very heavily affect whether or not a predisposed child will actually develop attention deficit disorder. So the nature part of it is not null. What makes you genetically predisposed to developing it is dependent on sensitivity. So Mm -hmm. two infants can come into the same home, twins, two infants can come into the same home at the same time to the same parents. And there's been so many studies done on identical twins. Um, But 
one could be way more sensitive than the other at their baseline. Like that's just their nature, right? Mm -hmm. So the sensitive child is going to be much more sensitive to the interactions that either do or don't happen with the primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. So if, if you take a particularly sensitive child, like no two children are going to have the same experience regardless of if their environment is the same and if their parents are the same and they're given the exact same amount of love. Right. One might feel like they are lacking something in that relationship because they are just, that's their nature. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then, and then, then the nurture part of it obviously just can like dogpile onto like one experience after the other can exacerbate, um, the signs and symptoms of ADHD for a child that was already naturally predisposed to it. Um, but yeah, so understanding that for me is like, I mean, I have experienced more healing from coming to grips with that stuff than mm -hmm. I have ever taking any medication or doing any meditation or doing any, you know, greens. And like, obviously there's a million good things that you can do to put yourself in a position where you can alleviate some of those symptoms and signs but for me like yeah I think just doing the deep work to figure out like why are you the way that you are mm -hmm. and what makes you tick the way that you tick and asking yourself those difficult questions and having the hard conversations with anyone that you might be fortunate enough to have in your life you can have those chats like do it you yeah. know like caregivers parents siblings like anyone that you know that has known you you know from since when you started kicking around. Yeah. 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 Healing's a really, really big component of it. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've realized that on, you know, I've been on a, I say it's a journey. I think yeah. it was like a, it started for me as, you know, physical fitness and, you know, I got into, um, you know, the personal training and all of that, like 10 years ago and, and doing competitions, which, which we both did. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that for me, it was like it started with my physical self. And then five years ago, I always say there's like a big moment that comes in life. I call them the tower moments, but like okay. they come and they hit. And it's either like a health diagnosis or something yeah. or, or a heartbreak or yeah. something that or like a death of a family. And I'm not saying that they're all equally the same, but it's something that rocks your world. You know, right. and you can feel like everything is crumbling around you. Yeah. And you get into this place of like, I'm lost, like where do I go from here? Like, who am I and what do I want from this world? And I right. really feel like it starts to happen. And like, I think I talked about it in the last podcast and I've said like, sometimes people think it's like a, it's like a midlife crisis and I don't think it is. I think it's an awakening process. And I'm not saying that yes. it doesn't happen in your twenties, but in your twenties, you're still trying to figure yourself out and all this stuff. And then you get into your thirties and then you get into a little bit later in your thirties and you're like, Oh my God, like I got to figure this out. But the healing component is like so many people go through their life and never have the courage to look at that. But sometimes a diagnosis, like a medical diagnosis yes. or something that causes you to look into your own body because I read a book called The Body Keeps Score. I've heard of that one. I haven't read it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to read it again because I like read it and it was like, I don't know that I was in a good mental space kind of to do it. Now I kind of feel like I need to go back to it. But yeah. The analogy, I mean, the name of it really gives it away, but it's like, you can let something go from your subconscious. You can let something go from like your mind and, and all of that stuff. Or sorry, you let it go from your conscious, but you, it stays in your subconscious and it stays in your body. Like your, right. your emotions can kind of stay stuck. And yeah. I, 
had started this journey and for the past five years been studying and, and understanding both for myself and my journey and also wanting to get, get deep into coaching with people because I'd realized like people weren't sticking to, you know, programs, for instance, and they would beat themselves up. And it was always this self, like this self-sabotage that people have that continued to go over. And yes. it was like, so I kept going into healing with people and diving deeper and it's mind blowing to me what it does for a person. Like having those conversations, have having the courage to do them, even in my own life, you know, mm-hmm. to like go back and be like, and not be a victim to anything. And yes. I would say I've, I've always never felt like I was a victim to my, you know, situation. It definitely made me who I am, but also instead of forcing that through in that very masculine energy, which we were discussing earlier, mm-hmm. it's like, instead of forcing, we said like, no, no, no. And being like dismissive of it, you know, and right. just like, I can't look at it because if I look at it, then I'm, I'm disobeying my parents by asking that question. Or, and I might have to do something about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like I, I might have to like have that hard conversation or I might have to, but that's where healing happens. Totally. You know, and it's when you hit, when you can, crack that open I call it cracking open yeah you said it too like the cracking open like when you can crack that open and start having those everything starts to change because Mm -hmm. you start to not have to like be in that survival mode you know Mm -hmm. and if it's going back to like an ADHD you know diagnosis even for people and I'm the same way I'm not against medication I'm not for it I just personally for health reasons have to keep kind of my body as clean as possible so Mm -hmm. I'm like I have to find you know, herbal ways to do it or focused ways to do it. And, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to see the connection of how healing is such a big part of ADHD. And mm. that's why I was loved that you connected those two and mm-hmm. talk about it. Not saying that it's going to make it go away, yeah. but like for me, anxiety, like I had been diagnosed with anxiety, you're misdiagnosed anxiety. It's probably there as well, but like mm-hmm. was there, but now I've learned that sometimes the anxiety, the depression, and I know that this doctor is very big on this, is like, what is that telling you? Like, what is your body trying to tell you? Because sure, you can get a diagnosis, you can go take the medication. Right. Right. And this is what drives me effing nuts about society and doctors is it's like, and I'm not against doctors, but it's like, okay, you can go take the medication, but they're not talking about the nutrition, what they're doing. For like, mm-hmm. are you spending time outside? Are you exercising? Are you moving your body? Are How much you- time are you on a screen? Yeah, how much time you're on a screen, that's a big one. Um, and yeah, it's just like, what are you learning about it? Are you taking your vitamins? Is your body depleted? Like I recently learned about magnesium. Don't yes. going on a so- yeah, side yeah, topic here. Yeah. Magnesium. Magic stuff. <laughs> is magic. Like, yeah. And I ma- like was making my own magnesium sprays and stuff for my body so it can absorb better. Uh-huh. And it, it's like, wow. Like I just feel such a difference in my body mm-hmm. and those are the things we're not looking at, you know? And this Mm -hmm. is where like, for me, I feel this, like that's where I'm kind of all my worlds are coming together of Mm -hmm. like, okay, how am I going to bring this to light is like, you know, the energy of releasing these things from the body, Mm -hmm. the looking at the health and the nutrition and all of this stuff and to look at diagnoses. And I mean, there's some that, okay, they're going to be like, you know, like a a cancer that's life-threatening and stuff like that. But I mean, even still, it's what are you doing to keep the body in optimal form to fight against this? Because you can't abuse your body and expect it to show up for you. Right. Yeah. Like it's interesting because actually, so the, the documentary that Gabor Mate did, did you see it? Yes, I did. The The Wisdom of Trauma? I did. And do you remember at the end of it, the guy that had fourth stage pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. and he was he's I believe did his treatments or 
can't remember. Anyway, that's a big part of it. But yeah, but I think anyways, he started working with him and then like he ended up going into remission. Like and it was all that he was working with him on was actually, I think psychedelics. They were doing like psychedelic, um, like whatever experiment doesn't, I wouldn't call it experimenting. Like he's mm-hmm. been doing it for years, but like guided, um, but, uh, like guided sort of trips, I guess, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, using like psilocybin, I believe, or I don't know, it could have been like DMT or something. But anyways, and yeah, he he ended up like going into remission with a with the full death sentence for mm-hmm. stage pancreatic cancer. Like that's no joke. Yeah, yeah, it is definitely. Um, yeah, there's no question. It's it's all it's all connected, and he's just an example. One example of actually a few, like the another guy, like we got to get into is um, Joe Dispenza. Oh yes, holy fuck! Yeah. Oh my god, I love him. Um, actually, part of the content of the ADHD series that I did, I dove right into a bunch of his stuff. That his whole his whole shtick is um, like, did you read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself? I didn't, but it's on my list. Okay. So exactly what you were just getting into there before about how like your emotions get trapped in your body and, and, and everything like that. He goes 700 layers deep into that. Like you love that book. Oh, good. Love it. So there, there are honestly like, I've read a lot of good books and all of like, I would kind of consider myself like a personal development junkie at this mm-hmm. stage. Um, and like, that book that I just read that Scattered Minds won and Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, like, you know how you say that you have those tower moments of, like, yes. things that just, like, rock your world where you're, like, you can actually point back in time at that from hind- like a hindsight. You can look back and be, like, that's the moment where it actually all changed. And for me, um, when I read that book is a huge moment that my life really, really, really changed, like, big time. And that was, like, right before I got pregnant with Leo. So I was, like meditating for like an hour a day mm-hmm. and like hard into his whole protocol. But anyways, I'll give you the little, the basis of the book because it's worth mentioning for this. So basically in that book, what he suggests is that people have a really hard time changing because they are addicted to their emotional home mm-hmm. that they have as a person. Yes. So if you are addicted to like physically addicted, physiologically and neurophysiologically addicted to your emotions, be it, you know, fuck, if you, if you meet someone and they're like just a really happy person, they're addicted to that feeling. You know, that that's their emotional home. Good for them. Ideally, that's what we'd strive for. But then you meet people and, you know, from surface, at surface level, they might be a happy, you know, seem happy-go-lucky, but they're actually chronically addicted to shame and guilt and, you know, like self-deprecation and I'm not enough and, um, yeah, anger is another big one, you know, just, yeah, people get- Stress is another really big Stress, huge one, Yes. You're addicted to your own stress. And, and, and I think stress is like, usually if you reverse engineer it, it's going to come back to like yes. one of those like anger, shame, guilt, something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, fear, mm-hmm. which is anxiety. Yes. Right. So we get so addicted to the emotional home that we live in that without serious intervention, um, to interrupt the patterns that lead us to that emotion, 
we it's basically impossible to change. So the book is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Right. So the idea is to interrupt the the emotions and the thoughts and the behaviors and the actions um, that lead to the emotions that you're feeling all the time. So emotions are the end product of an experience. Right. And experiences are usually the end product of actions. And actions are the end product of thoughts and beliefs. And so what he suggests is... That every single day when you wake up, you are operating out of, and, and the, the, sorry, I should say that because emotions are the end product of an experience, um, the stronger the emotion that you feel, the more uh, deeply rooted and, and the more that you will remember that experience. So that's why super emotional experiences are very imprinted in your brain because mm-hmm. they provided a really strong emotional response. Mm-hmm. So if you are, hang on one second, I'm going to talk the sword because I'm like, I'm about to go into some good shit here. So <laughs> is this pointed at me? Can you yeah. see it? Um, yeah. So basically because emotions are the end product of an experience, um, the stronger emotion that you feel, the stronger the memory is going to be imprinted in your mind. So when you wake up every single day, you're operating out of the memories of your past lived experiences, yes. right? And by the time you reach adulthood, something crazy like, of what you do is acted upon out of completely subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. Like, so you are walking around and you think the lights are on and you think that you're in control of what you're doing, but truly like 85 to 90% of you and who you are and your personality and your feelings and your thoughts and your actions and all that is pre-programmed bullshit from like what happened when you were five, Mm -hmm. which is insane. Um, But so what he suggests is that if you can interrupt um, this cycle of feeling something and then believing something and thinking something and then acting a certain way, which causes a certain event to happen and certain behaviors to happen, which causes you to feel a certain way. And you just go in this vicious cycle until most people just die. Right. That's because you get in this habit of being yourself. Yes. And that's what it's all about. So he suggests that if you can sit with um, your uncomfortable feelings and, you know, pre and, and sort of intentionally sit down and meditate on what it would feel like to feel a certain feeling ahead of it actually happening. Mm-hmm. So when all signs in your life are pointing to like, okay, you're, you just lost a job. You just went through a breakup. You just, you know, had divorce. You're dealing with like stuff with your kids or whatever. You're, you're broke, you're lost, you don't know where to go. Those are the moments in your life where it is most difficult to sit and just be with how you feel. And those are also coincidentally or not the, the most critical times for you to actually do that, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can sit with yourself and put yourself in the frame of mind of someone who feels gratitude, who feels happiness, who feels joy on a regular basis, even if you're just sitting in the middle of like a place that you don't want to be living in a relationship that you don't want to be in with people that you don't like working a job that you hate. But if you can put yourself in the frame of mind of someone who feels that way ahead of the event actually happening, well then you're interrupting that pattern. Mm -hmm. Because if you're walking around and you're like, regardless of whether or not signs point to happiness, I'm feeling happy. Well, then you're going to start to believe and think like a happy person, which will lead you to take actions that a happy, grateful, joyous person would make, which would lead you to having experiences probably where you feel joy, which will 
da, 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 rinse, repeat, right? Yeah. So that's what that whole book about is about. And it's so good. And he gives you like all the guided meditations and yeah, that, that understanding that concept of like, holy shit, you can literally break the habit of being the person that you are whenever you want. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of like, it's not like it's easy, but it, it is more simple, I guess, than most people would think. Yeah, but I think that so many people, you know, they are tired of their own bullshit, but they don't actually have the courage to do it, you know? And I was having this conversation with someone the other day and saying like, you know, this is why I think it's such a passion for me to help people in these breakthroughs because it's like, okay, but if you don't do this different right now, Mm -hmm. you are going to repeat it. And people don't understand that. Like they're like, oh, I don't want to be like my mom or I don't want to be like my dad. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be like them. And it's like, frig, I'm like them. You know, or like, (laughs) I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But it's because you literally don't know how to do it differently. So that's why like, I love working with people is like, we remove those emotional things from the body, address them, look at them because I think that too like for me in the past sometimes and I don't know if you can relate too is like I would try to go into like some personal development things and I would be trying to do it but it wasn't really like resonating with me at yeah, the level that did. it needed to yes because yes, I, I call I didn't go clear out the shit bucket you know? yeah <laughs> I didn't clear yeah. it out like it was yeah. like but once you clear it out it's like oh, like I removed that from my body and now there's more space in it so now when I go do Joe Dispenza uh, meditations it's like a completely different experience yes. I'm not forcing myself to get somewhere it's actually that I've had these breakthroughs in my life and that's yeah. where like I think that some people don't even realize that they go into um, a victim mindset and it's not that it's like what didn't what happened to someone in their life is is not okay you know and it's 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 unfortunate that they had to go through it right and I'm and I'm just like yes. I'm sorry that it had to happen and I'm you know and but you can't like you have to like accept digress process and then move on because your gift is on the other side of it right and that's what I always say like your 100%. gift whatever happened to you in your childhood or how that was for you and now here you are talking about ADHD you know mm-hmm. for me it was like big breakthroughs I feel like I've always had to have like breakthroughs in my life and to overcome like kind of hurdles and now here I am working and helping people do that kind of thing so yes. it's like yeah, you have to really be like one of the biggest things is like you have to advocate for yourself. You have to get so sick and tired of your own bullshit and be mm-hmm. like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, whether it's physical health or your mental health, or I'm tired of my relationships failing all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of this dead end job and feeling like my life's being sucked out. Like in every area in life, mm-hmm. this shows up, you know, and until you learn to advocate for yourself and be like, yeah. you either wake up. Right. And that's right. why it's like awaken your soul because your soul's here for a reason. Like 100%. you are here for a reason and you can keep staying asleep and hitting snooze and just doing what's comfortable mm-hmm. or you can break the shit out of that and, yeah. and, you know, have that breakthrough and just be like, man, this feels so different. It doesn't feel beautiful. Like I always say these awakening journeys or spiritual journey or whatever you want to call it, self-discovery, they're not always rainbows and tulips. Like right. you have to have those hard conversations. Look at those. The worst person to look in the mirror at is yourself and be like, man, like, I made mm-hmm. some shitty decisions. Mm-hmm. That was dumb. Why did I stay stuck for so long? Or why did I keep doing that? Why didn't, but you can't also live there, but you have to address it because if you don't address it, you can't just keep like, for me, it's like you can't force the positive if the negative is still in the body kind of thing. Totally. You know? Yeah. No, 100%. 
I feel like um, listening to you talk about all of that, like uh, the word that comes up for me all the time is responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're saying um, take, uh, what was it that you said? Uh, advocate for yourself. Advocate for yourself, yeah. And before that, you're saying, it, like, you, you need to accept it. But what I think people need to accept is responsibility. Yes. So literally built into the word responsibility is responsibility. It is your ability to mm-hmm. respond to whatever hand you've been dealt. And yeah. sometimes the hand fucking sucks. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> you were abused. Sometimes you ended up in a family that like didn't, wasn't loving towards you in some way or... You got cheated on in a relationship or you got fired or let go of from a job that you really love that you, you know, shit happens Mm -hmm. and there are acts of God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. There are things that happen that it's like bad things happen to good people, man. And that sucks. Mm -hmm. But you know what? you have a choice at any point in time you are at the you know when when you get shit on by life you have the choice to either play the victim or take responsibility for it Mm -hmm. and the most horrendous things that could possibly happen to people no they didn't deserve it it's not their fault Mm -mm. it's not your fault but it is definitely your responsibility as a human being to pick the pieces up and forage on in whatever way you know you best can yeah right and and the sooner that you accept responses and people love to go, well, my mom did this and my dad did this and my parents did this or they turned a blind eye to this or, you know, the parents one is a big one, obviously, right? And that's yeah. a tough one, um, especially because you feel for yourself as a little kid where you're like, fuck, I was completely powerless and mm-hmm. these people who were supposed to look out for me didn't look out for me in some way. I know so many people that have, you know, been in, in, in those scenarios, but regardless of who it is that wronged you or whatever, they were probably operating at the best of their ability in that given time, right? Like anyone that has a kid, and I know my perspective on this has changed wildly, like since having kids of my own and stuff, it's like I got pregnant and then I immediately kind of turned to my parents and I was like, you know what? You did pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Now just like, don't judge me for the next 18 years. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But I think, um, I think, yeah, like the minute that you assume responsibility for your life from this day forward, whatever the fuck happened to me might not have been my fault, but it is my responsibility. And I'm going to take that. You take the power back. You take the power back out of the hands of someone who probably wasn't ever happy to have that in their hands to begin with. Mm -hmm. Probably was never going to do anything with it. You're probably not going to get an apology from whoever it is that wronged you. Probably like stranger things have happened, Yeah. but you know, you, you, you assume that responsibility of your own life because, and the beautiful part about that is it's like then all, yeah, all of the power is in your hands and you can forage on and heal from it. And you get to decide then how you want to move forward. And I think that a lot of times that involves a lot of forgiveness, which isn't necessarily about, you know, really like the other person it's just about you like I am forgiving you for me so that I can move on with my life and sometimes there's conversations to be had if somebody really did you wrong yeah but I think that yeah the most powerful thing that you can do is just accept the responsibility for where you are currently regardless of who what where when why how put you there yeah it's like how do I move forward right yeah it's so true and the forgiveness one's a big one and so is shame. Like, I think that those mm-hmm. are big ones because I always like when working with people I always say like, you can push 
I keep going back to this is like this analogy of like, you can keep pushing forward and taking the responsibility, but if that's living in your body, you know, and it's like, you gotta, you gotta, gotta figure that out. So like work it out, but then like, if you have to have someone to help you work it out or help you see it differently, but like, I call these people like when I'm working with someone and it's like, you can either choose to repeat this and let this live in your body, right? Right. Like you can let this live in your body. Like I'm not going to forgive them. I've had people say like, I will never forgive those people. And it's like, that's you. Right. What they did wasn't right. Like what you're saying, but it's like, but that energy. So I want to like, let's talk about energy because I'm a big energy person. It's like very low. Right. It's very low. It's like shame, guilt, resentment is on the bottom Mm -hmm. and you're trying to climb the energetic ladder to feel better and to like feel lighter and all that. And it's like, it'd be like, picture like diluting kool-aid Do you know what i mean like, right it's, like, it's right. not gonna be that bright purple or that bright blue anymore it's just gonna be like just a little bit better whereas when you break that and i call those people cycle breakers so if you have the courage mm-hmm. to break the cycle and be like man i know and the parents one is a big one i call it the like the, the family chapter in general mm-hmm. in healing yeah is big and huge i think huge. it's really where you have to have someone coming to help I know for myself I've had to do that as well is like that's when I've hired coaches is Mm -hmm. in those chapters Mm -hmm. because it's like you have to be able to see um help me see a different perspective on this you know help me see a different perspective but also help me take accountability and like I've been working with someone as well and this said like I said like at some point you have to realize that in order to break this cycle, like you can't keep talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. You can, but as long as the conversation is is moving forward that's growth right but staying in the same spot and just keep turning it over and turning it over and turning it over Mm -hmm. is not working through it unfortunately that's what talk therapy does a lot and i'm not i love i think therapy has its place but i think that it sometimes can keep you mulling over the same thing for too long it's so true you need to i i believe really fully you you have to take therapy is great for like seasons yeah i think right and and so like i think and healing obviously like it's not a linear journey It, it happens in seasons and i think that there will be a season where it's like, okay, you got to go to therapy for a little while. You got to go address some shit. And then right when you think you're done, you're like, nah, I'm done with therapy. I'm good now. Like, I'm good. And then like six months to a year later, you're like, holy shit. All right. Hi. And yeah. what's going on? Nice to see you again. I've got more things to talk through. Because yeah. I think what happened, exactly what you said, talk therapy, it's like, okay, it's a lot of talk, but like actions like yes. let's get going here right and I think that that's when you need to not maybe still not have someone a coach or a therapist or whatever guiding through it that you check in with every now and then but this is yeah I think co- coaches are where it's like okay it's a weekly check-in and I'm actually I'm not just going to get you to talk through about like what your mom did or what your dad did or what you know how your sister wronged you or how your ex-husband sucks or whatever like it's like okay all of those things are valid and all those feelings that you have are valid but like we need actionable realistic mm-hmm. time sensitive steps that we can get you to take mm-hmm. to actually walk you through the process of changing yes right and healing yeah it's it's definitely uh yeah, that's a big one. Yeah, and I think too, like where I tended to get into the energetics of it was because we have so much to us that's blind. Mm. Like, like we can't see our blind spots, right? So, so when you're driving, like we cannot see our blind spots. Our partners, those we love, they can see our blind spots sometimes, but they can't tell us about our blind spots and we also can't see them. And for me, what happens is like with, with like say it's like the Reiki or the emotional code release, like whatever it is I'm working on with someone is like, 
it will bring it to surface, mm-hmm. right? So it, it either brings it and lets it go if it's done its purpose and we don't need to like address it anymore, but sometimes it brings it and it sits it there and it's not always pretty to look at for, right. for a couple of days. And I've had people call me like being like, what? And I'm like, I feel like this got like just you know, you stirred the pot and I'm like, it is supposed to stir the pot because that was like the point caked on the sides and we needed to get it out kind of thing. Right. Oh. And then two weeks later they're like, Oh, that's completely gone. It doesn't even bug me anymore. Like I'll be like, Oh, how'd you make out with that? And it's like, Oh, it's gone. But that's the thing is like, until you can see the blind spot and you're willing to be like, okay, I I can see that. Okay. Talk therapy has its place. Cozy has its place. And it's like, it was like, I kept going deeper because I'm like, there has to be a deeper way to that. And that's like, for me, like where the energy stuff came in and helped with the advocating and trusting your own intuition. Because when you can do this, I call it like layers of the, like healing is layers of an onion, man. You peel back, like you just said, and it's like, yeah, I'm good. And then it's like, Oh, and there it is again. (laughs) It's like, shit. Okay. It's just another version of it or it's another face or it's another Another, it's a deeper healing and mm-hmm. I had a client a couple weeks ago say to me like this is hard work like why do people do it I was like because the more you do it the closer you get to your authentic self and then totally then all of the shit that used to matter like I look back at a version of myself I'm just like she was so insecure mm-hmm. you know she was like couldn't work more hours than like just burning herself out constantly mm-hmm. and you know my relationships were failing and I was so like concerned about stuff that now I look back and I'm like, that doesn't matter matter to me, you know? And I put my, my own self and my health into situations Mm -hmm. and all of that. Now I'm like, okay, that's, that's like, you get just closer to this authentic place. And it's like a piece that like, I'm like, that's why you do it. You get to a piece and you get to your gift that like your purpose, you get to this thing and you create impact instead of just you know, a paycheck. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's so different. We were talking about that earlier because I mean, we weren't going to talk about it today, but we did your chart. So we'll unpack that mm-hmm. next week with you. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's so cool looking at people's charts like that to be able to see, but like we, you're, that came up in, in the chart is like, it's creating impact for people as mm-hmm. opposed to getting focused on paychecks. And mm-hmm. it's like such a big thing. And I can see that you're making such an impact with even just talking about this stuff mm-hmm. and your, you know, like your, I have to talk about your, your videos because okay. you're, you're, I started your program. Is it okay if I talk about that now? Yes. 100%. Okay. Let me just do this. Oh, hang on a second. Uh-oh. Oh my God. It's okay. We can talk in the recording now. Okay. I just do want to get this. I do want to talk about today was, um, your coaching program that you have. So okay. I found it, you would, you had a winter program and I, mm-hmm. and I, you were sharing about it and I wasn't in a headspace to be able to do it at that time. Mm-hmm. Still my healing journey. And then I was like, okay, forget, I want to do a workout program. Went, looked into it all, signed up. It's amazing. And like, we need to share this with the world because okay. it's a great program. You have incorporated personal development, mm-hmm. um, accountability, mm-hmm. like you said, taking responsibility for yourself, but the workouts are fantastic. Um, Thank you. I love them. So I'm going to start with the spring program. So if people hear me, see me sharing about it, I'm going to start with the spring program on what date is it? Uh, April 3rd. Okay. Yeah. So April 3rd coming up soon. Yep. Um, so I'm going to start with that group and do the full program, um, but I've just been kind of doing the workouts here and there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so tell everybody what, what made you start this work, this program? Cause it's amazing. Thank you. Um, okay. So yeah, I guess, so I, I decided, um, after, so I was teaching group fitness and running a gym in the city for like a year or so. Uh, prior to, you know, deciding that just for time purposes and flexibility and everything like that, just doing the freelance thing and, and working as like an online trainer was definitely more my speed right now with young kids. 
I miss like teaching group fitness every single day though. I loved it. Just the energy of it and everything. It was just the best. Um, but yeah. And so at the, this was also during a season where I was doing the 75 hard program. So if you're not familiar with the 75 hard program, um, it was developed by this guy, Andy Frazella. Uh, he's super hardcore dude. The challenge, um, is like a daily checklist of things that you need to do. So there's like two workouts a day. Each of them have to be 45 minutes. One has to be outside rain or shine. You need to do a gallon of water a day, which is something it's like five liters. I think Yes, five liters. Um, super like strict diet, no junk food, no treats, no nothing, no booze, like no nothing. Um, and I'm probably like missing some of the other rules, but the, the, that's the, the basis of it. Oh, and you have to take a picture, a, a progress picture in the mirror every single day. And you got to read 10 pages of a book and it has to be a hardcover book. It can't be an audio book. You have to physically like turn the pages turn of the, the pages. book. It's like yeah. very specific. So yeah. I loved the program. But I customized it a little bit to my liking in that I followed all the rules. Because if you don't do all the rules, he's got a hard, like, you you got to do this. You can't yes. customize. Like, you can't take anything out. You can add. But you can't take anything out or you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, and if you if you screw up one thing or forget one task any day at all, you got to go back to the beginning. You mess the whole thing up. So, like, if you get a stomach flu and you can't work out, back to the beginning. So, to finish the oh. program is truly, like, a stamp. It's like a badge of honor because um, it's really, really, really hard. Um, I wanted to make a program that was a bit of a lower barrier to entry and had uh, the option for, first of all, I wanted to provide the workouts and I wanted to make it yeah, a lower barrier to entry and something that could be more customized to each individual person's needs. Mm-hmm. So the way that I wanted people to customize the program is by adding in additional non-negotiables. So the non-negotiables for the program, I kind of piggyback off his idea. So it's 45 minutes of movement, but it's just one workout a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this workout I provide to you like five to six days of the week, but it's mm-hmm. just 45 minutes of movement no matter what. Um, uh, three liters of water, fuel your body with intention. So there's a lot more flexibility in like the nutrition side of it. So I provide all kinds of resources. I hired a registered holistic nutritionist, her name's Laura Davies. Um, to format the nutrition component of this program. Um, so there is, what is it, six? Yeah, six pre-designed meal plans to go with the program. Mm-hmm. Um, one higher and lower calorie uh, meal plan for each level, just depending on who it is that's following it. So one is like twelve to 1,500 calories, which is very low, obviously, for somebody that is like very petite. And then one that's like anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 calories. So there's you can choose which one you want to follow. And then the first uh, meal plan is structured as a just sort of like basic healthy eating plan. Um, Then you go into something that is uh, like higher protein. And then towards the end of it, it's like lower carb kind of like, so theoretically would walk you through a body recomposition if that was what your goal was. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are how those structured plans are made up and they are suited to uh, adhere and make sense with the intensity of the workouts as you go. And then I also do provide tons of recipes and cookbooks, my own cookbook that mm-hmm. I wrote, um, and can set your macros for you if you want to go sort of like a more flexible approach. Or you can say to hell with any of that and you can not track. And within the app, there's just like a food journal that you can use to sort of relatively keep yourself on track. Or you can go full intuitive eating and pay no tracking attention to anything. And just the idea with fuel your body with intention is much more about adding in rather than taking away. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to take any treat from you. I'm not trying to take any 
booze from you, if that's your thing, like I, you live your life. Like I don't make the rules here. You do. Mm -hmm. So the idea though is, did I fuel my body with intention three times today? Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you went through a drive through because that's the way life unfolded today, did you actually think about like, what am I getting here? Am I going to go grilled chicken? Am I going to go whole wheat instead of white? Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. And, um, am I actually thinking about it, I guess, is the idea, right? Did you add in vegetables? Did you add in the water? Did you decide maybe I'm going to skip on this whatever gigantic something that I knew was not bad for me and replace it with something better? So it's, it's more about um, flexibility and using like your intuition to know like, would I consider that I'm actually headed in the right direction here? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. So that's what the nutrition is all about. Um, then I get you to track a range of, I call them quality of life metrics. So I feel like a lot of fitness programs are centered all around biometrics. So things like weight, body fat percentage, circumference measurements, um, and progress photos. So those have their place. I think like if, if you are actually, if you have like a significant weight loss goal and you need to get like your weight in check to be like healthier mm -hmm. and weight loss is a, or even if like you just want to have like a set of abs or tight at butt, whatever your goal is, I will like applaud you and support you if that's really your goal. But I always encourage people to dig deeper beneath the surface of like, why that goal? Mm -hmm. And how do you actually think you're going to feel when you achieve that goal? Because whatever that feeling is that you think you're going to have, be it confidence, sexiness, um, you know, happiness, joy, whatever, that's actually what you're after. You're not mm -hmm. really after that you know, tight ass or set abs or whatever it is that you say that you want, you're usually actually after that feeling. So mm -hmm. I will, I've always like, this is one of my big core values as a coach is like, I'm here to support you in whatever your goal is, mm -hmm. but I will push you to dig a little bit deeper to figure out maybe what your real intentions are. Right. So, which by the way, not to cut you off is my favorite thing about this because I, we both have done um, the hardcore competing, that kind of and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like in my journey, I've completely come away from that. A lot of people mm -hmm. have, but it, I really got more into like the intuitive eating, like you said, and, and working more with that is like what feels best for my body. So that's mm -hmm. why I love this program so much and wanted to make sure that we share it because yes. the fact that you support all of those, but yet still have that um, core understanding there for people to start learning how to, where to start yes. is so important. Yes. And I think that you've, you've really encompassed all of those things into Thank one you. program. <laughs> You're welcome. And the way that you approach that is so mm -hmm. important because mm -hmm. nothing like ticks me off more than when I see people like just focusing on weight or, you know, a certain things because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like, there's so much deeper than that, you know, totally. and people think like, oh, like a set of abs, I mean, don't get me wrong, they're amazing, yeah. but like, is it, is that going to empower me? Right. It's like, if you say, well, no, don't get me wrong, they're amazing. It's like, but are they? It could be. Who knows? So it's right? like and a glass knows? of wine. Right. Like, who knows? Is it? Like, it's yeah. all subjective. It just depends yeah. on the person, right? So it's like, again, if, if you don't, you know, deal with like the deep stuff that yeah. you need to heal, then you can have the hottest body and the nicest house and the coolest car and the most money and the, the bags and the clothes and the, you can literally have it all. Yeah. But if you don't deal with the shit that's going on in here and in here, you're, you're dead in the water. Yeah. Like you won't ever really feel truly satisfied. So yeah, I think it is super important to take a very holistic approach. And to be honest, like when I was designing this program, 
And even like for the first year that I was coaching, like even doing my one-on-one stuff, when I decided that I wanted to like leave uh, my job that I was working and start working on my own, um, the place that I was working is like amazing. They are like no mirrors. They're focused on the feeling is like their core value. So they no watches in class or, or, you know, they encourage no watches, like phones are on silent. So it's very much like, we want you to focus on how you're moving and why you're moving and change the reason why you're moving. We don't torch calories around here. We don't talk weight loss. We don't just, so there's none of that. And I loved it. It was like where I truly kind of fell back in love with fitness after having really had to step away from it after I was balls deep in the like bodybuilding and bikinis yeah. and you know, clear heels and whatever, which just is another, right. which is another body dysmorphia or body. Oh, big time. Yeah. Body and you know, it, issue. Yeah. And Hey, I took a lot of really, that's where my like personal development journey really began. Yeah. I fell in love with like Eric Thomas and Les Brown and yes. like all of these sort of OG, uh, Tony Robbins and like all those I used to do when I was like training to compete, I used to not even listen to music in the gym. I just used to listen to long form podcasts and like motivational speeches by those people. Yeah. And so there was a lot of positive takeaways from competing. I wouldn't sure. discourage anyone from getting involved with it. I would just say like enter it with an open mind. And if you're the kind of person who can truly treat your body as a science experiment, then like that is the sport for you. Yes. But if you are going to like go down that rabbit hole of, the you know yeah disordered eating or like body dysmorphia and so many negative things that can come from it then maybe like choose a different sport yes um but yeah I think that when I transitioned to doing my own thing I said to myself like I love I loved that those were the core values of where I was working but part of me was also like okay but I'm like fresh off a tummy tuck and I get Botox and I, you know, and I wear makeup and hair extensions and whatever. So there was a part of that that felt incongruent to me or like it didn't line up for, for me entirely. Not that I didn't agree with where it was, how, what it was rooted in, because I do. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can get to a point in my own journey where like I don't, you know, necessarily rely on those things because I do feel fine without them, but they just give me like an extra boost, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, it feels like, to me going in and and I was like, if I get to create my own thing, like from the ground up here, like I want to hold space for everybody. Mm -hmm. Like I want the person coming to me who's like, maybe not quite to that point yet. I don't want them to feel like they've arrived to the wrong person or the wrong place Mm -hmm. because they aren't ready to like ditch the extensions or the implants or the Botox or the goal to have a tight butt or whatever that Mm -hmm. is. If that is still where you are, like I, I have a lot of time for you still. Do you know what I mean? And that was something that I wanted to be like very, very deeply rooted in my coaching is like, I hear you and I feel you. Mm -hmm. I understand you. I want to help you. Mm -hmm. And I also want to help you maybe reverse engineer some of your actual like motivations and goals and figure out what they might be. Mm -hmm. So that's why my coaching is, is, is very rooted in that is like, I will be the coach that will motivate you to do all of it, you know? Um, so yeah, so the, the quality of life metrics uh, are basically, I want you to track things like your sleep duration and quality and your stress levels and your mood and your like libido, if you're into that. I think that's another good indicator of kind of how you're feeling and we can go down that whole rabbit hole later. Um, and your screen time. Mm-hmm. So those are the, the things that I will get you to track every single day, minus the sex drive part. Um, and that for me is like a really, really good tangible way to track like, how are you progressing in yeah. more qualitative measures over just quantitative measures? Mm-hmm. And something that I struggle with um, is 
whether or not to use before and after pictures, like I've recently used like some of the, the, of the outside transformations, but all over my website, anywhere where there's an outside transformation, there's an inside transformation that goes along with it. Oh, that's So good. I have both that kind of like, they, they go through like a carousel or whatever. Mm-hmm. So anytime that I share, here's the outside transformation, cause this mattered to this client, right? Mm-hmm. Or they wouldn't have me share it. Um, and then here's kind of like the deeper level of what went on. Mm-hmm. Cause I do think that there is a place for both. Totally. You know, I and, think- and I think you're, 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 I mean, we'd be completely inhuman to think that having a, a physical, like feeling good physically in our body, yeah. like that is so amazing. Like it's, yes. it's still so amazing to feel Absolutely. so good. So, so that part is there, you know, it's just, it's like, that's why I love the way that you do it is because it's not your main focus, you right. know, and that's where I, I it would get so annoyed with other programs because that was like their main focus. And right. it's like, it needs to be so much deeper and so much understanding. And, you know, it's like to you said, like, if you want to have Botox and implants and all that, like fucking amazing, like right. do it, man. Like I would high five and encourage anyone to do that if they want to do it. Right. I personally have had to go through a different journey. Would I have chosen it? No, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I would love to still have Botox and feel fresh and all that stuff because it feels good. But unfortunately for right now, that's where I'm at and I have to go through this, my own personal journey, right? So it's sharing and I, everything God puts me through, I believe ends up turning around to translate into something else for someone. So I love that you encourage all of that, you know, it's mm-hmm. like whatever is, is who you are. And, and I feel like that's so important when you see that in other coaches is like, mm-hmm. you do you, like I say that mm-hmm. to people all the time. Like since I said something about like not doing Botox, people think like, Oh, well I have a Botox. I'm like, I don't care, man. You like, don't have to like dumb that down around Joan me. rivers it up. Like yes. I don't care. Like high <laughs> five, man. Like do what makes you like, it is your body. You need to feel good. Like that right. is, that is your thing, you know, but why are you doing it? Right. And that's, right. that's just where, and that's like, for me, my own personal self have now had to go through this journey of, well, why were, why are you doing that? Like, you know, right. And, and is it worth trading this for this? For me, that's just for me, you know? Right. And a, a year from now I might be like, Oh, I'm All healthy now. I'm and like, yeah, <laughs> jam it up. Doctor, but, juice me up. Yeah, Let's go. But I just love that. I, you can feel that off of, off of you and, and the community and the group mm-hmm. and all of that. So mm-hmm. I just thought it was really oh, important to share awesome. because I think that um, people are really looking for community right now. People are looking for encouragement and looking for connection and positivity and all of that. So I really wanted mm-hmm. to share that on today's podcast and let people know, first of all, about your beautiful soul because you there's so much beauty to you and, and what you're doing. You. And I think you're going to make massive impact um, on this world. And um, <laughs> I'm going to certainly try. Yeah, you will. Um, anything else from you? Um, I want to tell where to find you. Yeah. So, uh, Instagram. So I am at coached.byclo and at get.coached or is it just get coached? I think it's just get coached. Gosh, probably not my own Instagram <laughs> handle. I don't even use my business account. Honestly, I switched over to just like mostly using my personal account. Um, because I feel like people like, again, the human aspect of yes. a business and like as a coach, particularly like you kind of are your product in a way. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I like for people to just, yeah, follow my, follow my personal account at coach.byclo and yeah, this was great. Thank Good. you for doing this. Well, thank you. I will thank also you so put much. where to reach you in the show notes and, okay. um, also share about the 
new program that's coming or not yes. the new launch. Oh yeah. So yeah. So we have, yeah, the, the, the spring challenge is launching on April 3rd and it's starting to fill up. So if you're interested, go on and check my uh, Instagram. I've got a link in my bio there for all of the dirty details, but it's going to be good. Good. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited. I'll be sharing about it. So, and I will also share about how to join as well. So Yay. thanks Chloe. It's All been right. so awesome having you. And I think we have a big list. So I'm sure Chloe will be back on. We will be doing this again. She may yeah. become a regular <laughs> co-host with me. So <laughs> I wouldn't Love be mad it. about it. Love it. All right. Thanks Chloe. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five. We just finished another podcast together. I hope you enjoyed it. I'd love to hear your takeaways, what were your favorite parts, or continue this conversation. Head over to my Instagram. It will be listed in the show notes. Let's continue to grow together. With love, Shandell.